G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. We are taking the gospel to the world. Pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. One truth that will be delivered in love and compassion, connecting every one person to all that God has promised them. You make me want to dance and sing with every single breath I breathe. I will bring this offering. You are my wonder. You bring the wonder. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. Hello and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. I just want to be happy. We can fill our lives with experiences and pleasures, but our souls will still feel unfulfilled as we remain devoid of true, lasting happiness. In this episode, Pastor Jeff is looking at Psalm 1 and its formula to help us discover true happiness. Let's continue this message now with Pastor Jeff. You know, there is no Greek nor Hebrew word for happy. Do you know that? The way we define happiness. We define happiness as pleasurable satisfaction. Something that makes me feel all good. I'm happy. You know, the Lakers won. I'm happy for some of you. You know, the Clippers won. I'm happy. Uh, uh, Heath Bar Blizzard, I'm happy. I'm going to my favorite restaurant, the Elephant Bar. That's my favorite. I'm happy. Bible has no word for that because it's not that shallow. (laughs) The only words for blessed and happy and joyful are words that have to do with a central happiness that have very little to do with external circumstances. Now stay with me. Jesus teaches us that if you seek happiness and it's your number one goal, it will always elude you. You will never find it. In fact, he'll go one step further. He'll say that if you say, my number one goal in my life is to have a happy marriage, Jesus says you'll never find it. If that's your number one goal. He said, if you say, my number one goal is to be a successful businessman, he says, if that's your number one goal, you're never going to get it. But he does say this. He says, you can have both if you pursue something outside of those things. You with me? The thing that you want the most will destroy you. But there's something that you can pursue that all these things become a reality. That's the fourth step. Happiness is not something that happens to you, but something you choose. Now, this is not psychobabble. This is not pipe pop psychology. Here's what the writer says. Here's what the writer of Psalm says. He says, happy is the man who does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Now, for a long time in the study of this passage, I thought the emphasis was on the wicked that sinners take and the company of mockers. But in Hebrew literature, especially in the Psalms, anytime you have a note of progression, that's where the hidden treasure is. 
Walk, stand, sit. There's a progression. Walk, stand, sit. In Hebrew, the idea of walking means to go with the flow. It means that you're just flowing with everybody else. That's the idea of living. Perpeteo is the Greek word. It is walking along. You are living. You are flowing with the world. And what he's saying is, if you fall for the lie that you pursue the same things that the world pursues to find your happiness, you'll find yourself walking in step with the wicked. Why would you pursue the same thing everybody else pursues when they're not finding happiness? Wouldn't you go a different road? But if you're not careful, if you walk long enough, something uncanny will happen. You'll move from walking and suddenly you'll be standing in the way of sinners. Now, what does he mean by standing? Standing is a Hebrew word that has this idea of association. You've stopped flowing and now you're hanging out. You're standing by the roadside. You're hanging out with people whose default position is this. I know that I can find happiness if I just get a bigger company, if I make more money, if I have a bigger bank account, if I find true love, if I find these things, then not only are you flowing with the world, now you're standing in agreement and the default position of your life is that if I pursue everything they're pursuing, I'll find happiness even though they're not finding it. And the Hebrew writer says, if you're not careful, you'll move from walking to standing and then what will happen is you'll be sitting in the company of mockers. Now, this word right here is the key to the whole passage, sitting. Now, what does that Hebrew word mean? You know what it means? It means a sense of belongingness. When you've stopped walking and you've stopped standing and you're sitting, wherever you're sitting is where you belong. Now, look at this just for a second. I'm going to sit in this chair. What is supporting me right now? The chair. What am I depending on for this position? The chair. What's under me? The chair. What sustains me? What holds me? What keeps me? What am I trusting in right now? The ability of this chair. When the Hebrews use the term sitting, they're asking you this. What is it that owns you? What is it that you're depending on to get what you're pursuing? What are you putting your trust in to give you what you want the most? What owns you? Now, you think about this. It could be a lot of things, couldn't it? It could be your body. I'm all for running and exercising. I am. But you can get to the point where your body owns you in the sense that your security, your happiness is based on how good you think you look or how good others think you look. And I feel sorry for the women in this nation who've believed the lie that unless you look a certain way, you're not valuable. So if you start to put your hope in looking a certain way, first of all, let me tell you something. The people on TV don't look that way. It's been doctored. You understand that, right? The, the girls in the magazine don't look that way, really. No, they don't. But if you believe that your self-worth and identity is based on how well you look, then your body will start to own you and you will never be truly happy because your body's always changing. If it's your job, as long as you're climbing the corporate ladder. What if it's your money? Some people, as long as I have this much money in the bank account, I feel safe and secure. But when that money goes below that line, then you're miserable. You're frustrated. You're mad at the world. You're scared. You're frightened. Your happiness is based on something external, on circumstances. And you will never be truly happy on something that is always changing. It could be love. It could be food. It could be prestige. It could be any of those. What owns you is what you depend on for your happiness. Now, that's different from enjoying something that God gave us to be enjoyed. That's different. Depending on it for your happiness, though, means you'll never, ever find it. Now, if you're ever going to be happy the way you want to be happy, the first thing the writer does is give you the negative. He says, 
It's never going to be found if you pursue the same things the world pursues. If you find yourself belonging to that, if you find yourself owned by other things externally, it's never going to happen. Then he talks about the positive, and this is the end of the message, but it's the most important part. I need your attention. He says, but here's the key. The man who's happy, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and he meditates on his law day and night. Now, this is not going to go where you think it's going to go, because some of you are thinking, oh boy, here we go again. What you're going to tell me, Pastor Jeff, as long as I obey the laws and the rules and regulations of Scripture, I'll be happy. Wrong answer. Now, let me do say that God's law is not given arbitrarily. He gives it out of his love for you. And if you did follow the law of God, I'm telling you, your life would be happier. That's true, but that's not what this passage is talking about. When he uses the idea of meditating on the law of God, he's not talking about the specific laws and regulations and rules of the Old Testament law. He's talking about the rule of the Bible as a whole. Stay with me. He who meditates on the word of God, the law of God as a whole. You say, well, what is the law of God? It's a, we talked about paradigm bombs a couple of weeks ago. This is like a conscience bomb that goes off on inside of you, that opens your eyes to the reality that the Bible is not a book to show you how bad you are. It's a book to show you how good God is. And the whole of the law of God is what? It is the law of grace. That's the law of the word. It is the grace of God. The perfect story is in Luke 14 and 15. Some theologians say that if you just had those two chapters, you wouldn't need the rest of the Bible. I'm not sure I agree with that, but I see the point. Because in those two chapters, you will find the story of what? The prodigal son. And the prodigal son comes to the father and he says, I don't want to live with you anymore. He basically says, give me my inheritance now. That's the same as saying, I want to live as though you did not exist. Now stay with me. Isn't it interesting? People still do that today. God, I want to live under the realm of your blessing, but I don't want to live under the realm of your rules. So give me my inheritance now. Give me all the things that are due me because I'm your son, but then go away. And so the father gives him, amazingly enough, his riches. And he goes to a faraway land because he wants to live in a country far from God and he wastes it all, ends up in a pigsty, doing a job that no young Jewish boy would ever do. He's come to the end of himself. He memorizes a speech that he's going to give to his father when he returns home, and he's going to say, Dad, I'm sorry for what I did. I know I was out of line. I don't want you to take me back as father and son. Just let me be a servant in your house. You be the king, I'll be the servant, and that would be good enough. That's his plan. But he never gets those words out because his father, when he sees him returning home, runs out of the house, runs down the road, lifts his garment, hugs his child. And before the son can say anything, he says, welcome home, get the ring, get my cloak and kill the fatted calf. We're going to have a party tonight because that son that was gone away has returned home. Now, what does that have, what does that have to do with being happy? Everything. Here's what the Bible teaches you. Until you understand that happiness is never going to be found externally, but only internally, you'll never find it. And the internal thing that should make you happy in the midst of difficult, difficult times is that God, the creator of all things, has become your father. You say, okay, Jeff, that kind of does it for me, but it's a little abstract. Can you help me? Yes, I can. I can. I took my daughter, Sion, to Hope International University on Tuesday and dropped her off. 
I was an emotional wreck. My wife said, don't you dare cry. So I had to go around the corner from time to time. <laughs> don't you understand? It's my daughter. You guys understand, don't you? It's my baby girl. She's been in my house all my life. I've taken good care of her. Well, at least my wife has. <laughs> and I'm used to going in her room at night and saying good night and talking to her about things. And now I got back on Tuesday night and I went into her room. There's nobody there. She even cleaned it. It's spotless. The first time she's ever done that since she's lived with us. <laughs> Honest truth, spotless. But she wasn't there. And I decided I'd rather have her in the mess. And I just sat down on the floor and just started bawling. And I had to make sure that my wife didn't hear me. Because I started thinking all the things fathers think. What if, what if she's not happy? Remember, I'm sanguine. What if she's not happy? What if, what if she needs something and I'm not there? What if the food's no good, which is probably a guarantee in college life. But what if, you know, what if, what if there's a bully on campus and I'm not there to take care of that? What if, what if she gets sad and she's ashamed to call me? What, you know, what if she needs money? Well, I know if she needs money, she'll come home. But you know what I'm saying? All these things start rolling through a father's head because we're the protectors. We want to be that. As I was leaving the campus, driving up the 57 North, it dawned on me. Is there anybody that cares for me the way I care for Sion? And the answer is yes, God. That God is pulling for me, that he's in my corner, that he wants me to make it, that this God forgives so, so much. You can't even imagine the depth of his grace that you can run away and squander everything and he still runs out to meet you that you could never doubt the depth of his love for you because a God who would not withhold his only son would surely not withhold any good gift from you. That even when things are difficult and your life's falling apart and winter and summer have come, the person who's happy is the person who has learned to take the roots and dig down deeper to be sustained by a truth, the law of God, and he or she meditates on that law every day that it's not about how bad you've been. It's about how good God is. And he is for you. And he will sustain you. And he will forgive you. And he's pulling for you. And even when there's times you just don't understand what he's doing, he loves you and he will work everything together for good. The only way you're ever going to have joy become central to your life is when you know you can't lose. You can't. It's impossible for you to lose because God is large and in charge of every event of your life. And just because you mess up doesn't mean he doesn't love you anymore. He sent his son, Jesus, to make sure you would know that, that he would give his own son so he would not lose you. Now you say, okay, Pastor Jeff, it's getting closer, but it's still a, bit it's still a little abstract. I'm not sure I get this yet. I want to help you with one final story. Do you know what I did, folks, on Friday night? I did a wedding. I did my friend Izzy's wedding. Izzy is my friend who's dying. Doctors still don't know how he's alive. When he shows up, are you still here? It's that much of a miracle. He's fighting every day for his life. Izzy's story is amazing. His life right now, he's dying. His wife is dying. He loves his boys. 
And yet, Izzy is the happiest person I have ever met. That's not a stretch. I have never met anybody that's so happy. And every time I ask him how he's doing, his response is, I'm so blessed, Pastor Jeff. I'm so blessed. But you got to know a little bit about his story. Not too many years ago, Izzy was walking the streets of LA eating out of garbage cans because he had an addiction that was destroying him. Same thing is said about his wife, Shauna. They came together. We're not married. They lived together, but both had addictions that almost destroyed them. Then they came back together. They were sober. They had two beautiful young boys, but they still fluctuated. They still relapsed from time to time. Izzy found the Lord. Within seven days was off the street and spent so much of his time going back down in the streets of LA to help the homeless, to try to introduce them to something he had found. In the meantime, his wife, Shauna, contracts cancer. She's fighting it. She fights it. She fights it. They're still not married, just living together. She wins the victory, but after she beats it, the addiction comes back. It's so strong. She goes back out on the street, and this time the cancer returns in full force. Izzy never stopped loving her. It's amazing people who experience the grace of God, really, how much grace they have for others. The little boys wanted Izzy to go find mom, go find mom, bring her home. And he would go out in the streets of Pomona and sometimes out in San Bernardino and try to find her. And often he said, I would find her and I would tell her, come back home and let me help you. Year after year after year. But then she got sick again. The cancer had returned. And Izzy convinced her, come home and let me take care of you. But the cancer was too deeply spread. Izzy has been looking after her. He's fighting for his life because of his liver. Doctors don't expect him to make it. And he's taking care of her. And I went yesterday because they wanted to be married before God, before Shauna died. How do you do it? And he's, oh, Pastor Jeff, I'm so blessed. How are you blessed? I mean, look, I'm a pastor, and there's part of me that wants to say, are you loony? (laughs) Your your life's falling. How do you do it? And I want to summarize what he said. I won't do it exactly like he did. But I can summarize it by saying this. He does it because every day he replays something over and over and over in his mind. It's called meditating on the truth of the law of God. He knows that death is not the end, that it's the beginning of new life. He replays the truth of the gospel that even though he went far away from God, God embraced him when he came back home. That God separates his sins as far as the east is from the west. And all those who turn to God and call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Izzy began to talk. He describes a God who, no matter what you lose in this life, God will replace it to an infinitely greater degree. Those are my words. That when God calls you to go through something difficult, you may not understand it, but God is your loving father. And he who did not spare his own son will surely not spare any good thing from you. That every hope and desire in Izzy's heart will one day become a reality. That the truth of the gospel, when his wife dies, she will be a far, far better place. 
And as he replays that in his mind every day, that's called meditating on the word of God. That's the law of God, the law of grace. And because of that, he knows he can rejoice. And even though things are falling apart around him, internally, he's happy because nothing can take away that God is his father. And in the end, all things will be restored. Father, I thank you for the power of Psalm 1. I thank you that our eyes can be opened, that happiness is possible, that it is fundamental, not superficial. It is inside, a spring welling up within us at the right time and the right place, that happiness is never something that we can find. It's something that happens in our lives when we stop seeking it as the ultimate goal. And that happiness is the person, is the man or the woman who is planted by the streams of water in difficult seasons, sends the roots down deeply and acknowledges and meditates on the law of God, the law of grace. That no matter what we face here, we will win in the end when you make all things new. Help us, Father, to enjoy the good things now and to know that they are simply a foreshadowing of what is yet to come. And when the seasons change in our life, that we would have the courage to send those roots down deeper and remind ourselves of the reality. You are our Father, and you love us, and you are for us, and you are with us. And we are grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. Happiness is not something we can find, but something that happens when we stop seeking it as the ultimate goal. Thanks for joining me for this message from Pastor Jeff. I'd like to let you know that since the preaching of this message, Izzy and Shauna have both passed away and gone to God. We acknowledge the impact Izzy's life and faith has had on his family and so many around him. And I pray this message and Izzy's story has encouraged you to discover happiness living close to God. You can join me again next time for a new message from Pastor Jeff. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Vines. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.